Okay, we're gonna do this now. And... Actually, I met you downstairs at the Ritz. George and I were engaged at the time, and I probably was very swept up in George. And oh, you're time to talk to you, oh, and you being very polite. So it's interesting to fast forward to today, and you were very much in the UK circuit. Yeah. Now it seems like your celebrity is kind of really hitting the US market. They're kind of finding you for the first time, digging up a bunch of old clips, and there's a lot of pressure now on conservatives to say something really awful about you. There seems to be a pressure on everybody on all sides to say something awful about me. I kind of feel like uh, I've been placed in a position where there's always someone attacking me new each day. Um, but I guess I'll just build for it. It doesn't bother me like it should, perhaps. You seem to be doing pretty well, given the circumstances. I know the truth of my heart, and I know that what I say is the truth, and I understand very well the internet and how it works, and I also think I'm perspicacious enough to understand there's certainly a degree of weaponized virtue, and perhaps a degree of jealousy, and perhaps a few other things that are involved in all of these attacks. I don't believe that people who sit and attack somebody for their past, especially something so long ago, are genuinely virtuous. I don't think it's about virtue. I think it's about, well, I can get some clicks this way, or I can get some views that way, or he did the biggest interview ever, or whatever it is. There's certainly some other motivation. And uh, I don't want to say water off the duck's back. I don't want to come across as arrogant. However, I do believe that since the dawn of human time, every single king of any kind of empire was constantly at war. And I think if you're going to become one of those things, people don't that it's a war. You'd be a fool to become massively influential and then cry about the fact that you end up in constant battles. It doesn't matter if you're Napoleon or Charlemagne or Genghis Khan. There's always someone prodding the edges of your empire trying to find weakness, see what a little bit of land they can take. And I think it's always been the same. And right now, I guess you could say, I, to a degree, I certainly have an empire and I'm massively influential, and there's a degree of, uh, there's certainly some ambitious people who are trying to damage it. I think that's what it is. So I did see a, a mashup clip that we're not going to show because I, I thought it was unfair, I will say that, um, only because there was no context provided to the clips. It was, yep. it was just an extract of something that you said uh, that 10 years ago, something that were literally 10 years ago, um, didn't know what year it was from, didn't know who you were talking to, didn't know what context it was, and I've been victimized online by something like that before, where somebody takes in something abstract and says, well, this is what must be what she means, until they're provided the full context of the clip. And I also take exception to, I think, digging back 10 years. Um, I don't know who could survive that litmus test. I'm 34 years old today. Ten years ago, today I speak to my audience. I talk about they call me puritanical. I talk about you know not drinking. I think the biggest change has been becoming a mother, and it would really be unfair if we went and found Candace, a 24 years old liberal, dancing at One Oak, and said, "Well, look at these clips of Candace Owens." Fortunately, I had no cameras in my face ten years ago. You somehow did. Um, so I think it's a bit unfair. I also think that some of the critique that is coming your way is coming from people who are well-intentioned, like they actually don't perceive, maybe perhaps, okay, this is 10 years ago, what the context is, has he changed since? So I will ask the question, and we are gonna get into some of those clips you said you're an open book. How have you transformed? And I, I've seen changes just, I think, in the last five years. Yep. Who are you today? How have you transformed? Well, that's a very good question. It's also very important when you talk about Candace from 10 years ago. The idea that you did something 10 years ago, which you would no longer agree with, is one thing. 
the second thing, to, I, to come along to the conclusion that you now have no value to add to the world would be massively unfair, right? Everybody changes, and that's fine. I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit and apologize for his past. I believe all is well that ends well. I believe we're humans, and we grow and we learn. I'd be a fool, and I'd be disingenuous to sit here and pretend I was sorry for something I did in the past. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be very honest to everyone at home. I've talked at length for a very long time about my history and the fact that I used to run a webcam business. And I don't feel guilty for that. I know that's maybe what they want from me. I don't feel sorry for that. I've never hurt anybody. That's nothing to do with my current criminal case. Everybody who worked for me was very positive. And in fact, my number one supporter is currently online and my best lifelong friends and some of the letters I got in jail were from people who worked for me at that time. And I had a business. And I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend that I feel guilty or I feel sorry for that. I'm from a low-income background. I did what I had to do to survive. And truthfully, all in all, being very honest, I don't think what I did was really that bad. And I want to say that, and I know people are going to lose their minds for it. Podcastle.ai is the all-in-one online platform so, that helps you... So, not so far, with him having a webcam business, uh, I guess everything that he said, I mean, I don't feel like he said anything too controversial so far. We had a Hesse, just basically getting a, a basis for what the conversation is going to be about. Don't worry about it. We got you. Your file is going right into our workstation. Magic just said <laughs> Okay. Increased dynamic range and generally makes you sound like you're in a recording studio. Don't do it. With a click, you can do it. Work my ass. It might be uncomfortable. No. But I didn't sell drugs. I didn't sell anybody. What did I do? I, I found a gap in the market and I helped some people organize some accounts on an internet website. That's what I did. And they're going to try and criticize me and crucify me for the next hundred years because of it, because of clips that were made ten years ago. I think it's disingenuous, and I don't think anyone actually really cares about the virtue of it, because nobody who's involved in my life back then is complaining about anything. I think it's just an attack on me. And certainly we learn and we grow and we change, but it's very interesting how hypocritical the idea of looking at somebody's life over such a long period actually is. I mean, we can look at Donald Trump, right, who I'm a fan of, I guess you're, I know you've had your ups and downs with him, but in the conservative sphere, he's pretty well respected. Donald Trump used to own the Miss Universe pageant. Are we going to crit criticize him? Are we going to crucify him? What about the girls he had in Miss Universe who decided to go on and do Playboy magazine? Is he a bad person now? Why? And that's not Christian values, right? People are messy, and life is messy, and nothing is completely clean. And this idea that you're going to find somebody, and 10 or 11 years ago they did something which might even be slightly distasteful, not even illegal, and you're going to crucify him forever, I just don't believe that's genuine virtue. I think it's just an attack. I do think what's happening right now is they are wrongly conflating you having run a webcam business, however long it was ago, to the criminal cases happening in Romania. And this is why I interjected in my voice when people were saying, he's not a conservative, he's not a Christian, I don't understand why Christians I, are giving him a platform. And I'm very sorry to interrupt, I'm very sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I will say right now, I would never consider myself a conservative from that standpoint. Right. I'm a, ra I'm a rational actor, I'm a reasonable person, I'm intelligent, I use my brain, and I guess that makes me aligned with many conservative issues overall because the other side has lost their minds. I don't wake up and stand there as a conservative figure. I don't consider myself a conservative figure. I just ended up aligning with them on a lot of core issues because I'm a forward-thinking, rational person. But I'm certainly not a conservative. I don't stand up and say, hey, I'm a conservative. I don't I'm not interested in whether the conservative want to embrace me from that perspective or not. I have no interest in that. I wasn't even particularly political. 
until my recent debacle where I realized a lot of things about the world and how avoiding politics will not save you, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, and that's one of the things I pointed out. Is I said, he's never said he was conservative. Why are we, he's, he is not identifying as a Christian. So why are we suddenly using that as whether or not a Christian, a conservative can put him on a platform and talk about something that is relevant? And something that is relevant is whether or not you are being wrongly or unfairly persecuted by a government. I have spoken on my platform after examining the charges against Harvey Weinstein. He's clearly not a conservative. He's about as far left as it really gets. That doesn't mean that I don't have an interest in whether or not he's guilty or not guilty and whether or not he was persecuted because of a overtly political movement like me too. So I, I, I do not like that these things are being completed, but I want to park that aside because we are going to get into your case and just stick with what you just said about the webcam business. So you say you don't have any guilt for it. Um, I'm all sorry. I don't operate in that frame. I don't think it's an intelligent way for a man to go through life to say, I'm sorry. At, at a younger age, I did the best I could possibly do, and I did the best I believed at the time, and you grow from it, and you learn, and perhaps there's times in your life where you look back and think, well, maybe I would have done this differently, because hindsight's always 20-20, but every rapper sold drugs. Like, you get to a certain stage in your career where you no longer sell drugs, and you don't do it anymore, but that's part of the life journey, and life's messy, and I'm not going to sit here and apologize to any conservative who wants to sit me down and try and give me some moral high ground garbage. I'm not going to listen to it. I had a very rough upbringing, a very tough life. And it could have been so much worse in so many ways. I've done nothing illegal. I've never hurt anybody. Everybody who was involved in my life back then are massive supporters of me. And I think it's very hypocritical for someone to sit, look at a situation they were not involved in and don't understand, look at old clips taken out of context, and then tell me and a whole bunch of people who were in my life who were all perfectly happy that something bad happened and something wrong happened. I don't think that's genuine. And for that reason, I'm not going to sit and... Uh, be preached to by these people who are imperfect themselves. Everybody's imperfect. And another thing that's really important, we talk about Christian values. I also think that, I find it very interesting and ironic that I'm somehow the problem, and that these Christians feel like they need to come and attack me now in, in the name of Christian values. I think Christianity has much bigger problems than Andrew Tate and some old lips. I think they have much bigger problems that are happening in their churches on a daily. I think you can go to a Christian church in a lot of America and be very disappointed in what you see. I don't think I'm the problem with Christianity. And yeah, it's very interesting, but there was a webcam company, and I've talked about it at length on many different podcasts. I had a business. Many girls on there were perfectly fully clothed and would paint pictures or sing and dance and laugh. I've talked about this at length. I've had nothing to do with it for 10 or 11 years, and nobody was ever hurt. And I am not sorry for it. I don't see why I should be. Okay. So the way that I read you, and you can definitely let me know if I'm wrong, obviously, because you are you, is that people that don't come from a lot, obviously... Um, obviously have different decisions that lay before us in life than people that come from everything or people that come from a very stable household, two loving parents. Um, and this kind of gets into the dilemma. I remember years ago, Tommy Lahren had said something, she's a political commentator in the U.S., had said something to the effect of, well, you know, Jay-Z used to sell crap. And he sort of laughed. And he probably did. And he did. And he sort of laughed this off and... I remember looking at that because I looked up to Jay-Z's music so much, you yeah. know, and I looked up to him because it made it possible for me to change my circumstances. And looking at this guy who comes from nothing, he came from the projects, he sold drugs, and then he does, doesn't have to sell drugs anymore, and he's now talking about ideas and talking about business. So I was able to more closely understand and go, okay, I can actually climb out of these circumstances, even though I didn't, wasn't born 
you know, with a ton of wealth and a lot of opportunities at some like some people were. And I think it's very difficult for people that don't come from nothing to understand that and they're so sure that if they were in desperate circumstances that they would still never do anything. But this is their massive mistake, and you're right, but this is their massive mistake. The reason I have such huge affinity with the youth of the world today, especially the massive youth, is one, because a lot of them are disenfranchised, which is one conversation, but two, also, the reason my reach is so global, the reason I have so many fans in Slovenia and Southside Chicago, and I've, been, I've had kids from Ulaanbaatar come up to me, Mongolia, all around the world, it's because I speak to the disenfranchised, and part of that is always going to be, or is going to involve, financially disenfranchised. I'm, I'm someone who comes from absolutely nothing and made himself into something. And unfortunately, there's a rocky road sometimes, like you just described with Jay-Z, to get that done. But if I would have been born into a perfect family, like you said, two loving parents, family was rich, white picket fence, and I was saying all the same things, then they wouldn't have the same affinity. So if you look at even a lot of superheroes, you look at Batman, he's a flawed person. And I think the reason I'm seen as a hero and the reason I have the fan base I have is because to a degree I've always been a flawed person and I'm not a perfect human and I don't want to be. And I think that that actually adds a lot of credibility to my character as a whole, that I've become the kind of person who believes he can add value to the world. And just like you said with Jay-Z, he changed. And the biggest thing for me personally, though, truthfully, and I want the whole world to understand this, I've been forensically analyzed by multiple different federal agencies from different countries for the last 17 months, analyzing every aspect of my entire life across the last 10 to 15 years. And what did they find? An old YouTube clip? That's the worst they could find. No sexual perversion, no drugs, no genuine criminal acts. They found something semi-immoral in a YouTube clip. And I would actually challenge anybody who wants to throw stones at me to go through the same level of scrutiny I have been under and let's see what they find in your life. Because I guarantee anyone who's watching this right now, you sit there, you have a secret in your closet. You have a skeleton that you don't want anyone to know about. They would have found it. So what's the worst thing that they found about me? Consider not the most attacked man in the world for 17 months. An out, an out of date YouTube clip? An out of context YouTube clip? Is that the worst? I think, it's, I think it's crazy that people aren't even sitting there going, okay, this guy's been absolutely attacked from every single angle. This is the worst they could possibly drive up. Right. Well, I agree with you. So the question I would ask you, though, and it, because obviously you've moved away from that business, you now, the thing I find to be the most interesting about you is that younger boys yeah. love you. They absolutely, like the 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, I, I, I have not come across a 12, 13-year-old boy who's not just an Andrew Tate stan. Yeah. And I think that's, it's remarkable. It gives you a lot of power. And I think this is perhaps the interest that a lot of people have in you is what are you going to do with this power, right? You have all these boys, they believe in you, they stand up for you. And that is why it becomes important to state, I'm not sorry that I lived this. I don't think I would say that I'm sorry for anything that I, decisions that I made when I was young either because yeah, this is the deck of hands that I was given. What do you want me to do? Yeah. But at the same time, I do try to now knowing that I have such a following of, of a lot of young ladies that follow me say like, listen, I did the idiot stuff so you don't have to. Power, power and responsibility go hand in hand. And that's the thing that's so interesting. These out-of-date clips, and they want to talk about these things from 10 years ago. At the time when I was talking to the camera, those videos were made for private circulation initially. Secondly, I wasn't trying to educate the world in anything back then. I didn't have the kind of power and influence I had back then. The way you say something to a video which has 50 viewers has to be different than the way you say something to a video that has 50 million viewers. Power and responsibility absolutely go together, and I understand that very well, and I understand the power I have. And I do believe I'm now an absolute force for good in the world, and I'm far more careful with how I'll project myself with certain ideas. Absolutely agree, completely. But, 
that's the thing that's so crazy about all of it. These old videos everyone's so concerned about wouldn't even circulate if my haters weren't constantly trying to use them against me. They're, they're, they'd be disappeared into the history of the internet. I don't know where these things come from. I don't know where they were found. I don't know where they are. It's kind of crazy. A lot of people are making all these constant attacks on me, and I don't watch a lot of it. I'll be honest with you, Ken Dix. I don't watch all of it. But a lot of the videos are so outdated, the only reason they even exist now is because my haters are so desperate trying to take me down. They don't have any concern for them being seen because they wouldn't be sure circulating them otherwise. So yeah, absolutely. Power and responsibility go hand in hand. And I do believe that I now have a huge platform, and with young boys, they're ex exceptionally interested in my case. I do believe, to a degree, I'm an anti-hero. I do believe, to a degree, that the harder I'm attacked, the more credibility is given to me in the eyes of my fans. I think that they see, ah, everyone's out to get this guy. Everyone's out to get Batman. It kind of feels that way. And I do try and lead everyone down a good path and say extremely positive things. And I don't think anybody is finding any clips from the last five to six years which have anything negative. Right. I, I think you've changed. I, that's why I said over the last five years, I think there's been, there's been a seismic shift. And speaking to boys, the younger boys, I think one of the things I've been really suffering from, I get tons of responses, rather unexpectedly, whenever I talk about the topic of pornography on my show. And it's one of those things that, again, if you filmed Candace 10 years ago and you asked me about pornography, and by the way, this was actually implanted into my head from a health school, like from health education, where they would say pornography is healthy, people should watch pornography, people should engage in pornography, it's okay if you're in a relationship for you to watch pornography. And then I had a huge wake-up call when I spoke to Tim Ballard, you know, uh, he runs Operation Underground, and I realized how closely pornography is related to human sex trafficking. Real <laughs> sex trafficking, not, not trafficking. And yeah, we should talk about that because they are kind of stretching the definition of sex trafficking in your case and taking a look at it. And what's remarkable to me is the amount of young men, and I would say from the ages of 18 to 35, that write in and say how much they're struggling with porn, how much they're struggling with pornography addiction, um, how they feel that no person is talking about the ills of pornography. And so I just watched this clip of you this morning sitting next to Adam, 22. You were ever interested in doing your first ever double penetration scene that me and Lena, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like, sure, dude. would he be a suitable candidate? Would you, can I tap him in? No, no. What is that? Oh, yeah, can, I, can, I, can I fill it real quick? Andrew, you know. You're out, Aiden, we can't, you're not in, you're not in this conversation anymore. Fair enough. Go ahead, Andrew. Would you? Would you? Would you? Andrew, would you double penetrate a row? Would you? Would you do that, Andrew? Go ahead. Finish the answer. Right? Uh, all up together is is that chill? There's absolutely zero percent chance of that happening. <laughs> and it's not because Lena is particularly unattractive. It's because she's married to Adam, and I have no interest in degenerate, pointless sex, and I have no interest in making a spectacle of myself or even just involving myself in anything which I deem to be. Overall haram and pointless. It's just not something I'd be interested in. There's not a, there's not a single amount of money on the planet you could pay me to, to undertake. So you're very polite. I'm not going to be so polite. I thought he was an absolute degenerate. Um, and yeah, you know, Adam Twenty Two is a fucking of idiot. Having a woman making the vows that you make in marriage and literally offering her body as he did to you was a form of degeneracy. And you would be very nice and measured and nice people. For that moment, that was the best thing that you possibly could have done because she looked. <laughs> what? Please be careful what you, when you do that. What? I'm just. No. Yeah. My ass hurts. This chair is hard. Sorry. This chair is way too hard. Why are you looking at me like that? 
Uh, you have something to say about the? Uh, uh, Adam. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just trying to figure out like why did he want to like marry a, a porn star? Corn, corn. Sorry, corn star. <laughs> like why she? What do you mean corn star? Like why did he marry her? And like if you know like the line of work that she does is you know is that? So I'm just like. I mean, some people are comfortable with it. Me personally, I'm not comfortable with it. Because when that's you, a lot of bodies. Because when you marry someone, you know, you're making a vow that, you know, it's going to be just you and that person. That That's what I think it should be. But, like, you know, some people are more idealistic than I am. So if they want to be with somebody who does that, you know, more power to them, I guess. I saw the video with her and old dude, and it seemed like she was liking it. I don't know. I'm just... Just want to put that out there. I don't know, but I don't know. It seemed like she like enjoyed that man's dong than his husband. So I was just like, I mean, you definitely are opening up your relationship to a lot of potential problems. There is a lot of problems. I feel like it's gonna be a divorce pretty soon. I feel like, and then like they have kids together. So oh. it's like, what's gonna happen? You know, if somebody shows that video to one of their kids, you know. He's like, that's because, why you're mom. Because there's no way to stop them from seeing it. Yeah. It's like the whole Kardashian. Oh, the daughter. Yeah, the daughter saw the sex tape when she was like. Daughter saw it? Or it was one of her kids that saw an ad for that sex tape when she was a kid. Hmm. Well, maybe they should stop being stupid and, you know. Well, they're not going to stop being stupid, so I'm going to leave it alone. I'm just going to continue to play. Unless you want me to do it, I'll do it the next one. Okay, I'm vulnerable. Uh, I think that's her name. But how do you reconcile that now, right? You're in a circumstance like this. You're being polite. You did say I'm uncomfortable. You did say that I would never do this. And I think that that was really important for you to say. But you're not the same person. I mean, how did, how did you... Yeah. Even reflecting on it. it yeah. It's so disgusting. He offered you his life. It is pretty disgusting. It's also pretty misogynistic. Because he didn't ask her, he no. offered her. I felt sorry for her, so I was very measured with my conversation with them because I felt sorry for her. I could tell she was nervous. She was swinging on the chair back and forth. She didn't want to be there. She felt extremely nervous. And I think that it, only a coward would berate a very nervous, very scared woman. Even if she did something which I personally disagree with, even if I think Adam is personally he doesn't align with my morals. Because she was so nervous and because she was so almost afraid she looked. And I think she expected go at her hard. So I just felt sorry doing it. I, I, I just I couldn't find, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, but I thought, I think she knows what I think, and I think she knows what the world thinks, and I think if I go at her too hard, it's just going to break her. And I don't really like the idea of her, you know, turning off the camera and bawling her eyes out. I think that God will teach her the lessons she needs to learn from her experience, both positive and negative, and I think that's God's job to do, and not necessarily mine. But yeah, it was certainly uncomfortable, and it shows how degenerate the world is becoming. And pornography as a whole is simply just, I think, a, I think it's an effect. I think it's a, a tool which is used to ensure that the male populace stays as docile as possible. I don't think that any of the things that are happening to the male population are accidental. I think that keeping us as docile as possible is very interesting for the people who are in charge of the world because we're the warrior class. At the end of the day, it's going to boil down to the men who are going to stand up and actually do something about anything at some point at some point in time. So I think they like the idea of us being docile, and 
mean, how much more docile can you get than a man staring, sitting there looking at a screen, not even want to reproduce for real because he's just staring at a screen? And I think that's just the next stage in the slave mind. And it's everywhere now, whereas, and this is something that my husband says, he doesn't have any social media. He's like, Instagram's pornography. I open my Instagram and I've got Emily Rodzikowski's butt cheeks. Yeah. And I'm not a man, so I don't have that same yeah. biological reaction to seeing it, but I can only imagine how difficult it is for a man when you open an app and you've got Kim Kardashian offering her body to Emily Rodzikowski. Even if you're walking down the street, I've realized even how desensitized I've become to pornography because you see an ad for Gucci, and for whatever reason, she's got to be completely naked while she's holding the bag. I remember in my lifetime, I remember in my lifetime, there were music videos that got censored or banned or can only be played after 10 or 11 at night. And if you watch them now, you'd be like, well, or what? What is that? A bikini? Like, it's nothing. It's amazing how quickly it has degenerated. And yeah, absolutely. And we're all degenerating with it. Like, well, like I realized. The fact that I don't have a reaction to seeing the half-naked woman holding a Gucci bag yep. means that I have been desensitized to pornography, and I can only imagine what that does to men. Oh, completely. And it's it's, but this is what the powers that be want. They want to make sure that the male populace is as docile as possible, and they do that with a, a large array of weapons, and they do that with a web of tools. And I believe that I'm the counter to that, which is the reason I ended up attacked in the first place. But unfortunately, when you buy into the slave man mind programming, you do not become the kind of man who can easily attract a, a woman because you're not attracted to females as a whole. So how do you satisfy yourself? You end up sitting there staring at a screen and they convince you that's a good life to live as a man and that's perfectly fine and perfectly normal. And you don't even get to genetically reproduce. I do also though, and I want to make this clear, I do believe in absolute not self-accountability as a man. I think as a man, everything that happens to you is your fault. Me going to jail was my fault. Me being attacked online was my fault. If all these bad things that happened to me, I will take responsibility for it. Even if I believe they were unfair or unjust. And I think that any man who's going to sit there and say, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, he also needs to wake up and understand that if you're going to truly struggle to not click on a website, then you're going to deserve the terrible life you're going to live. And the devil or the matrix or whatever you want to call them are going to fill your life with temptations. They're going to fill your life with easy way outs that they're going to want you to take because the good road is usually the hardest road. They're going to continue to fall for them, and then you're going to have to suffer the consequences of that. So, it's double-edged. It's certainly difficult that pornography is everywhere and men are struggling with it. But to me, what's even more upsetting is that these men don't have enough fortitude and enough mental strength to wake up and say, I'm better than that. But, but, but this, is, this is the thing, right? So I'm about to get started, Candace. Good, started. This is the thing. But this is the thing, right? So when you attack a man's mental fortitude on one issue, you attack him on all issues. This is why it's done purposefully. To resist the slave mind, you need to be able to resist in the first place. How can you resist a slave mind if you have no physicality, you have no willpower, no ability to mentally resist anything? Well, then what you're going to end up doing, you're going to end up eating the bugs and watching the porn and sitting in front of your computer, and that's what they want from, from people. So I think that it's actually all very interconnected. People come at me with a porn problem, and I get the same thing. I say to them all the time, hey, what are you going to do? What should I do? I struggle with pornography. And I say, that's because you have nothing else in your life in order. If you're in good physical condition, and you had the money you were supposed to have, and you had the mentality you were supposed to have, you wouldn't need it. So the reason you're so addicted to porn is because everything else in your life is a failure. And yeah, it's certainly a complicated issue. It's a difficult one. And this is why they fear male agency so much. Because when men truly wake up and decide to be the best versions of themselves, they're hard to control. Because all these control mechanisms fall by the wayside. They don't want the porn anymore. They don't want the antidepressants anymore. They don't want the garbage anymore. And now you have a whole bunch of men who actually want truth and honor and respect, and they want to live for something. And then what are they going to live for? They're going to want to be brave. They're going to want to do the right thing, regardless of how dangerous it may be for their own personal circumstance. And that sounds like a difficult population to enslave. And that's, that's what's scary. So how do you reconcile, uh, first off, how long ago was your webcam business? 
Yeah, so I stopped I stopped having any involvement with it, I think, eight to nine years ago, I stopped. It was a long time ago, it was in the early stages of the internet. What kind of lifestyle would that be? And I'll explain it one more time for people. I've explained it already at length, but I'll explain it from the beginning. I had a company. I was like, I'll figure it out. And on a side note, I actually want to make this clear. We talk about things people have done in the past for money. I beat, I beat people up for money. I hurt people for money. I don't often tell people this. I, I think this person you have mentioned it. There's a person who can never walk the same again but he bought me. I've had 87 professional flights and I did my best to kill people. You're going to sit here and talk about what I did for money. I literally hurt people for money. And uh, so I, I'm a perfect person. I'm, I'm not sorry for my kickboxing career or my cage fights. I'm sorry for anybody. I had bare knuckle fights. I'm sorry for any of them. Right? I was a person who had to pay the bills. I lived the life I lived. I used the tools I had. And I ended up opening a webcam company where girls would sit on a laptop and they would talk to guys on the internet for money. That's what they would do. The girls would sit there fully clothed or bikini. Some of them would paint pictures. Some of them would sing songs. It's very similar to Twitch's now. Twitch is almost more sexual than the sexual websites were back then. I helped the girls set up accounts. We worked together. I helped them become as popular as possible. And everybody made money and everybody was happy. And nobody's complaining about it, nobody's upset about it, none of the girls who work for me are upset about it, the government aren't after me for it, it's perfectly legal, nothing's wrong with it. There's just a whole bunch of people who now think that they can take the moral high ground against me because I, per I previously ran this company, and I think I can anticipate the question you're going to ask, how do I reconcile with the fact that I used to produce pornography, right. or degree porno porn pornographic content. Now men are writing to you, like how do I... And now men are trying to escape it. Yeah. That's a really good question. There's a few different ways I can answer that question. I think the first way I'll answer it is, if you own a liquor store and an alcoholic comes in and you refuse to sell him alcohol, does he stop being an alcoholic? He just goes and buys from someone else. So that's the cop, that's the cop out answer. The cop out is, well, they were all, these people who are addicted are always gonna be addicted regardless of whether I did it or not. So that's the cop out answer. But the second answer I can give, which I think is more detailed and probably more nuanced is, one, I intimately understand the relationship between men and these websites. I've had and seen men give away their life savings to girls they've never met. I've watched and I've seen it. And I actually think a lot of the insights I give, a lot of the things I tell the world about the male men mental health crisis, about men being so constantly lonely, about how important it is to build yourself into a high-value man, about how money alone is not enough. I explain all these things. A lot of these are lessons from the webcam things. I saw dudes who had a whole bunch of money no other attributes, and they ended up on these websites spending hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't have anything else. So I think I learned a lot of important life lessons, and I do my best to try and pass them on to people. But I guess also, and this is the final answer I want to give about this whole subject, is that I do think I can take the question you're asking and reverse engineer it and use it against the people who are trying to attack me for it. My, my answer to it would be, how do you sit and want to criticize me for being involved in the production of pornography 10 or 11 years ago if you're involved in the consumption of it. Because you're creating a market for it. So anybody who wants to sit and say that I did things wrong, that's fine. You're allowed to throw stones. But if you're in a glass house, if you have ever signed up to an OnlyFans account, if you have Instagram, if you're following these models on Instagram who you don't know who are showing their tits and ass all day, if you've watched porn, if you fancy or stick some beautiful woman on a, on a movie, if you're going to live in lust yourself, and you're funding this entire industry, you're downstream, you're at the bottom of it, how can you then take the moral high ground on the person who's producing it? That doesn't make sense to me. So if you've totally abstained from pornography your entire life, and you've never looked at it ever, you've never been involved with it ever, and you're a perfect person, and you want to come along and say what I did was wrong, that's fine. But I don't think most people who are complaining can even say that. I don't think they can. 
And, and I will once again state this, and I state this as a matter of almost fact. The level of investigation I have gone under, the level of forensic investigation in my life has been submitted to, most people don't understand. Most people have never been through what I've been through. They've not had their entire life forensically analyzed. Every word they've ever said, everyone they've ever spoken to, every WhatsApp chat, everything, head to toe by federal agencies for the last 10 years, and the most they come up with is that I ran a webcam company, which I've already admitted. That's it. Take these people who criticize me and see how many porn websites they've been on. Get their laptops. See who they Googled. See who they've spoken to. Like, it's, it's all massively hypocritical. I do understand that some people would hear that and go, oh, you know, he's a bad person, etc. I don't think I was a bad person. I never hurt anybody. I think I could have done much worse things. I know many people from my circumstances who did many things worse than what I did. And all in all, I'm not going to sit and pretend I'm sorry for something I'm not sorry for. And I, I just want to make it clear to the world that like you said, people come from different backgrounds and, and people grow and people change, etc. But I also look at the world in a different way. I think that we're all constantly doing our best. I think I'm doing the best I can right now. When I'm 55, I might watch this interview and think I'm an idiot. Right? And I think we're all constantly doing our best. And I did the best I could do at the time. And I don't think it makes sense for me to hate past me for doing his best. I just don't think that's a very I want to take a pause. Living a healthy lifestyle can be challenging when you're always on the go. I'm gonna do that and do this because my eyes are getting a little heavy. Just a little bit. Just a tad bit. I got little energy drinks. I know. I'm just. I got some Red Bull downstairs. That's all we'll get you so far. I know. I know. Push. Play. Damn. Yeah, man. Let's get back into it. Of course, of course. It's simple, manageable routines to make sure that you're getting the proper nutrition every single day, which makes sure it's a benefit. Time this summer. What? I'm sorry. That's the best. No, you're just skipping around. brought over to conservatives. Yeah. Not people that are perfect that are bringing people over to our side. I was not brought over to conservative <clears throat> principles by people preaching at me and telling me how perfect their lives were. Uh, it was actually people that were much more broken that led me here, which is fascinating. I got interested in business because of Jay Z. Yeah. I, I feel like since we have Joy on the show, not, we should watch like more controversial videos of like men's role and women's role. If you need people. Yeah. That's oh, men. I think this it was like men I'm feminists versus consider myself women anti-feminists or something like that. I don't know. I'm a realist. It was something like that. Side, and I'm know. not stupid. And I understand very well about the world and propaganda and what they're trying to do to us. So you end up being a conservative by default. Right but you're a real person if you If you want to sit and tell a dis a disadvantaged youth growing up in the south side of Chicago. What, how he's supposed to live his life from your perfectly manicured garden and your white picket fence. You're not going to get through to that person. They don't care actually, what you have to say. Absolutely. That was what he taught me that I don't think will ever change, which is why I, I get your following. I get what people like about you. It's why you say the disenfranchised follow you. And I think it's important for people to understand that. Like, there was no way, like, and I still have no respect for her at all. But it's why I snap so hard at like the Megan McCain's. I'm like, who the hell are you? What have you done yeah. in your life that you think I'm going to take advice? What, you've just been someone's daughter, right? What have you worked for? Absolutely. What, have, what, have, what have you survived? Tell me something that you lived through in your life that was a struggle. You can't yeah. because your life has been perfect. 
And so I think it's, it's so foolish to think that I'm going to take a lesson, me, that I'm more likely to take a lesson from a Meghan McCain, who I don't even think is a conservative. I think she's just a rich girl and got rich in way worse ways than you got rich. What was daddy doing overseas? Yeah. Um, that, that's a really amazing point, because we can also look at that, right? Conservatives will sit here and attack me. We can, they, there are people who are making millions from blowing children to pieces. Yeah. Like, let's, let's get the world in perspective here. Oh, but it's cleaner. They didn't get their hands, they didn't get their hands dirty. Of course. Yeah, I, I totally agree <laughs> with you, and, and that's why I never curse to bark. Uh, when someone is suddenly assessing someone's entire life, I'm like, look at your entire, you are literally built on the backs of, of dead Iranian children. Absolutely, and, and, and I'm standing up here also, and I'll make this very clear, like, I've not tried to avoid this judicial process, I've not tried to run away from anything, I'm standing here saying, if, if I've committed a crime, put me in jail. And if I haven't committed a crime, what can you say I've done? I Perhaps, you could argue it was slightly immoral, perhaps, but I also, to a degree, maybe I'm a libertarian, I think if 20 people or 30 people get in a room and they all agree to do something and it makes them happy, then they should be allowed to do it. If nobody's hurt, nobody's upset by it, then they should do it. And perhaps that does make you a libertarian. If 30 full-grown men decide to go into a room and be gay and they want to be gay, then they should be allowed to go be gay. You're 30 men, you're not hurting anybody. It's what you want to do. You want to wear red t-shirts, wear red t-shirts. If me and my brother had 30 people, we all got together and wanted money and everyone was happy, who's others to come along and criticize and say people are victims, people are upset, this is wrong, this is bad, etc. I hate when people do that. Just twist the whole thing around. You're completely right. It's amazing how people throw stones and how imperfect everybody is, truly. And I think the best thing you can do as a man is obviously learn your lessons from your life and try your best to pass them on. I feel like I'm doing that to the best of my ability. But also, another thing that conservatives is going to blow their minds is going to really upset them. What they don't understand about especially the strength of my message is that to especially the young boys of the world, I'm cool. I'm cool. And, and I know they think that doesn't matter, but if you want to sit behind a desk and go, da-da-da, talk Republican, Bill 304, nobody, you're a dork, so no one gives a <laughs> right? No, no. I've got the big cars, pretty women, and I, I live the lifestyle. If you want to really capture the youth of today, you need to get some kind of affinity with them. They need to at least want to be you to a degree. You need to at least be their hero to a degree. This is where liberalism wins. I don't think a lot of conservatives understand that liberalism is sexy. You do drugs, you run around, you burn stuff. It's cool. You get a party. You burn what stuff. <laughs> stay home, stay home, stay. It's boring, right? At least what they don't understand is that conservatives are sitting there and go, he's a terrible role model because he has all these pretty girls in this fast car and he's a materialistic. That's the, only, that's the reason I can actually help the world. That's the reason young boys will listen to me. You set yourself 14, 15 year old boys, they'll look at my life and go, okay, I want to listen to this guy. They don't want to listen to me if I sit behind a desk and read Republican Bill 308. I don't read that crap. I don't know. And they don't care. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think one of the criticisms that I faced was that I care too much about culture on my podcast. I'm like, culture's interesting. Culture is what is changing minds and changing hearts. 100%. So if we don't want to compete with liberals in the cultural space, then what are we doing this for? A hundred right? What do you think the young kids, do you really think that they're, like you said, following a Senate bill that just hit the desk? Or do you think that how you convey that to them and how you're talking about ideas actually matters? And, and culture matters. It's something that conservatives gave up yeah. um, many years ago. That and they wonder why they lose. And then we call it... Trump was cultural. Trump was cultural. Yeah. Trump was fake news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, Trump was a hero. And to be a hero, you have to be a attacked and you have to be an imperfect person and that's the reality of the world and Damn. culture is super important I'm trying to think of conservative culture now I mean I like to think that we're making degeneracy unpopular I like to think that there are some good voices out there that's making God cool again I actually like to believe the pendulum is swinging I do believe it and I see it online 
and it's a combination of so many small things coming together almost in perfect timing. But it is cultural. You need a cultural shift that moves away from this insanity. And you're right. If you just want to sit, sit there and just preach. Nobody's going to be interested in it. And I also think that, especially in the masculine realm, I can't talk for being a woman, but I can talk for being a man. In the masculine realm, we certainly like to see people lead by absolute and our example. Because traditionally, we would be following our commander or the man we respected into war. So we'd like to know he can at least fight. We'd like to see he's at least brave. We'd like to see him lead by example. And I think especially if conservatives want to win the culture war, then they need to lead by example. If you're, going to, if you're going to be a conservative preacher and you want to tell men about how they should live their lives, you should be as strong as possible. You should look in shape. You should be big. You should show you're motivated, you're disciplined. You should, you should absolutely, of course, you, we all have vices, but you should be very just. What if you could do SEO smarter and faster? Uh, with which these ads are totally with your outlook, you make it very clear to the outside world that what you've done wrong, what you haven't done wrong, you should take accountability. I think you need to lead by example. I don't think you can preach to men. I don't think you can preach to young boys. I think that's the reason why they don't do so well in school in general. I don't think that's the reason why they're disenfranchised. I think you need to just lead by example and let them follow. And I feel like I'm kind of doing that by just live by just standing up and saying, no, this is who I am and I'm unapologetic for it and this is what I've done and this is what I intend on doing and, I try, and I'm going to try and save the world. So I want to shift gears here and talk about your dad. I'm quite fascinated by your dad. He passed recently. How many years ago? Uh... Nine years ago. But wow, just wasn't what I was expecting. A chess champ served the country. Um, his name was Emery. Really interesting to talk about just, I guess, your upbringing with him as this chess champ. How did he get into chess? Yeah, my, I, I do believe I had the best father on the planet. A lot of the things I regurgitate are regurgitated from him. A lot of the things I say, he literally said to me line for line. I believe that. Yeah, he's very nine. morbid in his approach huh? to life. He said nine. And he wanted me to understand that he will not be here forever. And he wanted me to understand that when he was gone, I had a duty to fulfill. He talked about dying a lot, which I guess is kind of unusual, but he would. Even though he was relatively young, he died when he was 58. But he was a chess, yeah, he was a chess professional. He was a professional chess player. He was one of the best chess players in the world. And he... What's most interesting about him is he almost predicted the future absolutely and utterly perfectly. He was talking about the Ukraine-Russia war back in 2013, and he was talking about how gay gay people can't have children, so they're going to come for your children. Trust me, that's what they're going to do. The children are next. Like, he'd say all these things back, like, 10 or 11 years ago, and I'd be like, all right, you're crazy, calm down. But uh, yeah, calm down. <laughs> he raised me with absolute accountability, and he certainly raised me and Tristan to be... He understood what the world expects of men, and he raised us to be strong. And even when we were in jail, my mother would call, I'd speak to her on the phone, and she'd say, how are you doing? And I'd say, oh, don't worry. And my, she would say, yeah, Dad raised you for this. Like, we were always raised to be warriors. So I don't think I could have possibly ever had a better father. I, I'm going to miss him forever. And I think the best thing I can do is be the best version of myself to give honor and respect to him. And I think that's the best thing. Where did he pick up chess? It's quite unusual. He's American. He was American. Yeah. Black American. I don't know too many black American chess players, full stop. Yeah. Um, where did he pick up chess? He taught himself. 
and he taught himself, and he just read a couple books. I think he read three chess books and ended up being one of the best players in the world. And it's incredible. It, it's incredible. But it's actually interesting when you talk about we were just discussing affinity and how people are imperfect people and how it uh, allows you to actually teach things better. My father, towards the end of his chess career especially, made most of his money teaching chess in inner city schools because he's a big black guy. So the children would be like, ah, okay, I'll listen to this man. You're right? So it's amazing how affinity is real and coming from a certain socioeconomic background is real. And, you know, we all talk about how ridiculous racism is, but also to a degree, pattern recognition is real. I look like him. I can be like him. These things are real. So, yeah, he, he did fantastically well in terms of teaching, especially disadvantaged children. And uh, he taught himself, and I wish I had his mind. I'm not nearly as intelligent as he was. I wish I was. You've got to be real smart to be a good chess player. You've got to be better than smart. I actually think you go beyond the realm of smart into, um, I wouldn't say he was on the spectrum, but you certainly get to a new level of social interactions. Do you understand? I'd go to chess tournaments when I was a kid, and everybody there would be a world-level chess player, and everyone was a bit strange, a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's like that anymore. I, I see the chess community has now moved online. There's a lot of them playing online. They seem a lot more normal than the grandmasters I remember. <laughs> I remember old grandmasters half drunk, ex-KGB, shaking That's at the board. Yeah, like, it was a bit different back then. But, um, yeah, I wish I had his level of intellect. He was certainly the smartest person I've ever known. And even when he died, I got endless emails from people I'd never heard of who just said, I, I worked with your dad, and I don't think you understand how smart he was. He served him. America, yeah? He served America. He was in the Air Force, and he was a linguist in the CIA. He joined the Air Force and ended up being a linguist for intelligence. What other languages? Why did that man look Russian, like Mike Tyson? Spanish, <laughs> English, but officially he was supposed to speak Russian. He learned, he assimilated Russian in two weeks, and he held the Air Force record. Yeah, so he's, he's very smart. Yeah, super ridiculous smart. I got an email from somebody when he died, and they said that, I just want to send you an email. You don't know who I am. I'll serve him with your father in the Air Forces. I don't, you tell everybody your dad was smart and they're not gonna understand how smart he was. And I wanna give you a quick story. I was living with a Russian woman, and I already spoke Russian conversationally when I began the Air Force training to learn Russian. Your father knew nothing. You know, the alphabet didn't know nothing. And within two and a half weeks, he was correcting everybody, including the professor on Russian. So, like, he just read the dictionary. I saw my dad sit there and read a dictionary. Just read it. That was it. Yeah. It's like photographic memory. Like, it was on, on a spectrum. It was yeah. on something else going on. Yeah, something else. Oh, wow. A little X-Men. Emery Tate was his name, and everyone called him E.T. He was tough on you. He was certainly tough on me, and I, I, can't, I can't express enough how grateful I am for that. I, we live in a world now where if I'm going to say that my dad hit me when I made a mistake, and everyone's going to lose their minds. And they're going to pretend I was somehow abused, and that somehow my childhood was terrible. And I could not thank If he was come down to earth today, I would shake his hand and say, thank you for absolutely everything you gave me, including discipline, including understand that, understanding that in the harsh realities of the real world, there is a line, and if you cross that line, violence appears. That's the unfortunate reality of Earth. There's a line, and if you cross it, violence will appear, either from a cop, or from a guy in the street, or from someone you don't like, or even a friend will turn on you, whatever. There's a line that shouldn't be crossed, and I learned that from a very young age, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm not sitting here saying kids should be abused. There's a difference between abuse and discipline, of course. Everyone with a brain understands that, but he was extremely mm -hmm. tough. Some and people don't have brains. I'm sorry. Anything about my childhood, I don't know. Like, no, it's a Life's hard. And I think that the best thing you can possibly do as a man is prepare for the endless difficulty that's going to come your way. There's no, there's no way out as a man. You're either going to have a very difficult life to become somebody important, or you're going to suffer the difficulty, difficulty of being invisible. What do you want to do? You want to be invisible? 
and just hide and, and work in Starbucks and never have a girlfriend who truly loves you and nobody cares if you live or die? Fuck. Or do you want to go out there and be top G and be the most famous man in the world and have government agencies trying to lock you up for no reason, putting you in a dungeon? You have to make a choice. It's going to be difficult either way. So I think if you have a son and you're not preparing him for absolute difficulty, you're doing him a disservice. I think that's what yeah. has to happen as a man. And it's, I've said this many times before, but I'm going to say it again. I don't think many people understand exactly how competitive the masculine world is. Men are constantly in competition with each other. We always have been. We used to go to war and fight and kill each other. I guess in some places we still do. Maybe that's calmed down a little bit. But in the masculine world of today, everybody is constantly competing for everything. The car that you want, other people want. The woman you want, other people want. The house you want, other people want. You're competing to have all of it. And how do you do that? You do that through status and money and influence and power. It's war. I don't think many re women realize that when two men even meet each other for the first time, it's like an unspoken, maybe tiny bit at the back of the mind, there's a tiny analysis of, could I fight this man? Yes. That's real. <laughs> it's super real. You go up and say, hello, hello. Mm, he's more than a one-punch issue. That's it. <laughs> oh, he's one punch. He's one punch. Mm, he's three or four. That's the reality of the masculine world, because we've evolved, to believe in evolution, but I, my, my views are mixed, but we've evolved to be in this position where we're constantly analyzing possible threats, and we're constantly analyzing people who perhaps are on our team, or snakes, etc. And I think that not many people understand exactly how brutally competitive the masculine world is, and I think the worst thing you can do for a son is just to raise him in a bubble. I, my dad, I'll say here, People lose their mind. My dad used to just randomly push me over. I'd be like, three. She just said, not hard. Just <laughs> get up, boy. <laughs> My mom would be like, why are you doing that, son? He's like, you get pushed over, that's life. My mom hated that. She did that. But, uh, yeah, I, I can give him nothing but praise. I, I'm really so thankful I had the, the upbringing I had. You think he's proud of you? I'm certain he's proud of me. And it's amazing how much strength I can get from him. It's amazing how much strength you can get from knowing that your ancestors looking down on you and you're doing your absolute best. I also believe that God can be proud of you when you do your absolute best. And I don't think many people genuinely do their best in the world anymore. When I say do your best, people sit and go, oh yeah, okay. No, when's the last time you actually did your best? Like, I don't train to run marathons. But I know if I gave my best, I could run a marathon right now, first try. If I gave my best, life depending on it. When's the last time people have re genuinely given their best to anything? There are people going through the world and going through life today that don't give their best to 100% effort to anything, ever. Ever. They can't remember the last time they tried. So when I'm sitting in a dungeon, or I'm sitting in a Romanian jail cell, I understand that it is a chance that God has given me and my ancestors are watching for me to do my absolute best and to show to them that I am the man I say I am. You can't become the most famous man in the world for mental resilience and God not test your mental resilience. I think that would be a very amateur way to view the world. You can now become one of the most famous men in the world who talks about mental discipline and mental resilience, and God's not going to test it. I think God's going to come along and say, okay, you want to be Mr. Famous. All right, let's see what you have. So I believed it was a, a, a chance to show God and show my ancestors and show my father that I am the man I say I am. And it's amazing how much strength you can draw from that, because I don't think many men especially understand that even if you don't have the strength to be a hero for yourself, you should have enough discipline and enough honor to want to be a hero for somebody else. And if you have other people you truly respect, you should want to be a hero for them. And I think that's the masculine imperative. If someone's going to attack your wife, that's when you become a hero. For her. You have to. What kind of man are you if you're not? 
And you can apply that to other things. If you apply that to your ancestors, or you apply that to God, or you apply that to your beliefs, or your core principles as a man, then you can be a hero anytime you want. So It's so funny that you say that because it really does, it goes, everything goes back to biology. I think about this all the time, no matter how much sociology is behind everything, telling men to act like women and women to act like men. At the end of the day, women want a masculine man. And, a lot, and when they don't have a masculine man and they beat their men into submission, they're not attracted to them anymore. There's but, a tail in between. Yeah. It's, just, it's just not attractive anymore. And I used to maybe think of this boyfriend that I had when you were talking about, you know, just defending the realm, the sort of responsibility that men have. And I, I remember sitting there realizing that I had to break up with him because I thought that if somebody burst through the door with a gun, I was going to have to be the one that would have to defend us because he was just such a flat. Okay. For that in society is yet blaring at men to do the opposite. And I Well they're trying to confuse us. This is why I think you have a platform. This is my whole theory that I built in my head about why you have a platform. Is because Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham came before you. Right? And I think that for years men were told to act like sissies. Men were told to put your tail between your legs. That was the message, the agreed upon message that came with you know, Hillary Clinton running, the Me Too, all of these things where men were basically told that if you have a masculine instinct, you're guilty. Yeah. And then, inevitably, because there is an equilibrium in this world, yeah. because there was Lena Dunham's, because there were the Taylor Swift's, because there was the girl squads, yeah. eventually, what would have to happen was that it was going to have to be evened out by someone saying, no, F that, be a man. Yeah, and I don't feel guilty for being a man, and I don't think any man should. No, I and don't I, think so either. I don't think, and I think that... The most annoying thing about all of this is just how genuinely hypocritical it is. Because there's all this feminine movement, and we don't need men, and men don't matter, etc. That's you only too many. The whole it's a it's a agreed upon message that men suck. Absolutely, and it's only in the most favorable possible circumstances where females will say that. And that's what's so disingenuous about it. Because as soon as things actually begin to get hard, the closer we get to the realities of life, the closer we get to the unfortunate circumstances of the world, and they exist in many places the faster you will see people look for traditional masculinity to protect them. So it's not even like it's a genuine belief. That's what's so upsetting about it. That it's just, I don't know if these people are delusional or if they're deliberately hypocritical. I'm not sure which one it is. I think they're brainwashed. I think it's, it's a two-pronged approach. I think it's, it's, it's the cultural messaging and also in the education system. They're actively learning that this that feminism is what you need to aspire towards. Like when you get out of school, women, you should want to compete with men in climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. I actually think there, there's a, a mass brainwash of Satan. Oh, completely. They want a newer man. And the way you do that is to empower women to a point where they're now the dominant power, especially in the Western world. I believe in the matriarchy. I don't believe it's a patriarchy like we're told it is. I actually believe it's the other way around. I can't think of a single law that benefits men over women, but I can certainly think of some that benefit women over men. I think it's very dangerous to be a man in the world today. I think that if women want to destroy a man, it's extremely easy to do. When you look at my current scenario and situation I'm in, and many other men, are in the same scenario. I can't think of many examples of a man falsely accusing a woman of something and her losing her entire life. Or I can certainly think of ones the other way around. So, yeah, they want to turn men into eunuchs because their intention is to make us all slaves. And I say that and people, I, it rolls off my tongue and people just hear it and they don't actually think of what I'm saying. Their intention is to turn men into eunuchs because they want to make us all slaves. I want you to actually understand exactly what I'm saying to you because at the bottom line of revolution has always been young military-age males, and they don't want them to have enough balls or enough forward thinking or even enough care for anything outside of themselves to do something about it. 
Another thing people don't understand is that a lot of these attacks, a lot of things they're trying to do with the culture especially, they're trying to inject such innate selfishness inside of people that they don't really care about anything that happens outside of themselves. Because then it's very difficult to give a shit about your community, it's very difficult to have any kind of genuine care about your town or your country or an issue. No, they just want you to be self-absorbed, semi-depressed, because depressed people don't fight that hard, watching porn, living inside of your own mind, convinced that somehow you're oppressed for some reason, on the internet, typing tweets. That's what they want you to do. And they're gonna try and keep you there. And genuine masculinity, yeah, to a degree it's protective, and to a degree also it has parameters. You, you can't be a man who doesn't say no. You can't be a man who doesn't have standards for himself and for people around him. I got labeled as ultra-misogynistic because I believe that a man should have standards in his relationship. I believe a man should avoid dishonest people, male and female. You should avoid, if you're a dishonest person, if you lie, if you're gonna deceive me, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, I don't wanna have anything to do with you. I was sitting and talking on a panel show saying that women who are dishonest and promiscuous are not the kind of woman I'd ever wanna associate with, and I was labeled misogynistic for that. So it's, it's crazy how they'll attack you, and they'll attack you so violently and so endlessly and repeat it so many times in a, in, a, in a bid to beat your soul down. That's what they want, especially for me. I truly believe I'm the number one prize for them to get. If they can get me to just give up. If we can get Andrew Tate to just give up. Being a man's bad. Come on, Andrew, say it. And it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's dangerous one thing, but it's actually genuinely also sad. When I analyze the situation that we're in today, I part of me feels sad that we've ended up in this place where the people who are in charge are so evil and their plans are so dark, so heinous, and the consequences so dire that they know they can only implement them if they genuinely remove the warrior spirit from every man on the planet. It's kind of sad. And the warrior spirit is really important, and it's something that I speak about a lot, that men need to go be men. Even in passing my marriage, my husband needs his guy time. It's, I need my girl time. Yep. Um, mm. The masculine, the feminine, it's very important. The fact that my husband hunts and shoots and does these things, that's very attractive to me. Yep. To know that if all of the grocery stores faded away, that you could go catch dinner. You know, I think they know how to skin an animal, Absolutely. and they poison that. Look at the hunters, look at the way they view hunters, and look at people in the South. Yeah. This is why they know how to ranch, they know how to farm, they know how to, to survive on their own, which is why they start to poison that mentality, which is why I think it's really important that you're speaking to young men about why it is okay to be a man, giving them permission to be a man in a capacity that I can't give them that permission. Uh, and the same way that I try to give them the permission to know that don't allow them to delude you to believing that this is femininity. It is not femininity. Lena, to have your husband offer your body to another man on camera. That's the poisoning. They, they teach women that this is sexual freedom, this is sexual liberation. I looked at that and I saw a slave relationship. I saw a master offering his slave to an, a, another person because he was just so, uh, I just love Andrew Tate. Would you, would you like to see with my wife? I would be okay with that. That is horrific. That is not femininity. That is not masculinity. Correct. I absolutely agree with you on that point. You're totally right there. And, uh, I think that's probably one of the most misogynistic things that have happened on the internet in recent times, but perhaps they're on the right side of the political spectrum, I don't know, I don't know which side they're on, but if they're on the correct side, you seem to get away with things. As you all know, faith is an essential part of my life. My family is always looking for ways to deepen our faith and to grow closer to God, and that usually begins with prayer. But it can be hard to stick to a meaningful prayer routine, which is why we love Hallow. Hallow offers a wide range of guided meditations, thoughtful prayer sessions, and daily reflections that are designed to help you connect with God in a deeper level. She has level. a wide forehead. 
with how well you can customize yeah, your I'm kind of tired of this video, though. Your <laughs> you are. Even yeah, I mean, the of your it doesn't really session. seem like they're going at each other. Well, like, it's just, just like, beginning of yeah. like basic discussions. Be yeah, they're just gaining, you know, positions on certain topics. So do you think it might actually get into juicy parts? There's another thing about masculinity as a whole that I don't think that a lot of people want to address, but it's something that's certainly large in terms of my following. So we break down, if anyone's watching this now, we're trying to understand why is Andrew Tate so popular? Well, I believe I have, I speak to the base instincts of, of base instincts. Base instincts. And one of the base instincts also for men, I don't think a lot of people understand, is two degrees, is peacocking and showing off to a degree. And I do that fantastically. But um, it is. And if you look at men of old and they used to conquer and they wear a feather from the man they killed or they, a piece of gold they stole, there was always that degree of flexing, showing off. And I think it's being unapologetically masculine and saying, yeah, I'm a big successful man and I can afford all this stuff and this is who I am and I've worked my ass off and this is what I have and I'm not sorry about it and I'm I'm dedicated and I'm hardworking and and no, I'm not. I don't feel like I should have to cower or hide or apologize to the world for any of these things. And I think that's the reason why a lot of men find affinity in my message and you're right. Baseline masculinity is being attacked and women... Women naturally don't find it attractive to find a man who's not that way anyway, but baseline masculinity is being attacked because they want you absolutely not to be dependent on the government so that the government can decide whether you eat that day. And I don't want to be a pessimist, but I still think in many ways, almost with technological advances, it's going to be very difficult to resist. I think it's actually scary. I don't know how the world's going to be in 100 years from now, but I don't know if there's going to be much freedom left. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, when I look at the things they're doing with CBDCs and electric cars and the way the currency is going to change, it's going to be very difficult to resist without the tree starting today. So I don't know what's going to come. So learn to farm. Learn to farm. That's learn right. Don't so, let them convince you that's somehow racist and sexist and backwards and veganism. Like you better learn to do all of those things. Well, we need men now more than ever, right? And also, I do believe, and this is going to get me called misogynistic, but I'm going to say it anyway. I do believe we need masculinity, especially in the households, because I believe that women are more emotionally led and men are more logically led. It's true. And I think that the propaganda machine and the news machine primarily uses emotional arguments as opposed to logical arguments. And they, women fall for the And women fall for the emotional arguments. So if you have a woman who's in charge of the household and her man can't resist her uh, commands and they put on the news, be afraid, be afraid, COVID's going to kill everybody. She gets afraid. Now you have a whole household of people with masks on, eight vaccines, and down the insanity hole, whereas a man with logic would sit there and do exactly what I did and say, look, all right, let's calm down for two minutes. Let's just, let's just wait, because the news lies. So let's just wait till Wednesday before we start taking injections. It's chill. So I think also masculinity is needed because what they're going to do when they try and make us all slaves, they're going to use emotional arguments. And they're going to come along with, I was talking about COVID this the other day, and we were saying how insane the whole was. And I said, imagine how insane something like COVID will be once the police force are robotic. Well, imagine once it's all AI. No mask, done. Like, at least in certain countries, and I know because I've traveled the entire world in COVID, I'll say here publicly that I broke every single COVID rule. I broke every single lockdown restriction. I broke all of them. Every single one. Never listen to anyone. I broke more. Uh, it's a competition. Yeah, it's, if it's a competition, I broke more. You sure? From day one, I was like, absolutely not. I didn't even let people that were wearing masks into my house. I was like, my baby will not look up and see somebody wearing a mask in his crib. That's scary. Yeah. I'm like Bane look over his crib. <laughs> That's just not happening. Amazing. But um, if work ever feels like this, 
You need Smartsheet, the enterprise work management platform that unites work, content, and people. Yeah, I mean, me, me and my brother would move to Sweden and resist the COVID thing from the absolute beginning. We tried our best, but Sweden was completely wide open. Absolute insanity. But, yeah, even the COVID thing, if you look at it, the emotional argument that was used and how they controlled the world, and they're going to use emotional arguments to control us with everything. I talk about the police force being AI. What they're going to eventually do is say, cops shoot people, humans make mistakes, cops are racist, we're going to give you robot cops that never make mistakes. Because cops are racist, and cops can make mistakes, but these robots never make mistakes ever. And then once all the police force are completely robotic, and they've removed all our weapons, you think something like COVID 2.0 isn't coming? You think you're not going to be locked in your house? You think they're just going to what, like you live in peace and walk around outside? Are you an idiot? And they're going to do all of this with emotional arguments. Not That's why they robotic. want a matriarchy. Absolutely, because you, with a matriarchy, you can affect it with emotionality. You can sit there and say, the planet is dying. Don't you care about the trees? Give us all your money. And people will sit there and go, oh, yeah, I do feel bad about the planet. Okay, it's just an extra 18% tax. And they can fall for it. So emotional arguments are how you get your way. Yeah. If you give me somebody, if you put somebody in front of me, I can convince with an emotional argument. I can convince them almost anything. Almost anything. Logic is much harder to do. So we, we need masculinity even in the household. And I'm, not, I'm just talking about baseline masculinity of just the logic and the rocks rock-solid self-assurance to sit there and say, no, I'm in charge of this house. Let's all just calm down. Let's not get emotionally led by this news channel. And let's be very smart about what we do and how we react to things. And that's why it's under attack. And I think, I talk about revolutions and I talk about men being the military-age males who are going to eventually stand up, etc. But I'm not be doomsday about anything. I don't want to get arrested for any accusations. But even just having a masculine essence in a household makes the whole household harder to sigh off. I truly believe that. And I can just think of COVID, and I use it as an example because it's the most recent large PSYOP they've attempted on us, where the amount of people I saved, personally, I must have saved 200 people's lives from that vaccine. Me, personally. Just because me, as a man, they come to me and go, you know, I want to travel and say, listen, I don't even have time to explain to you. But have I ever been wrong? No? No. Okay. A year later, they're like, I'm so glad I didn't get that. I'm like, I told you. I told you. Like, it's amazing like, a, what a masculine essence can do. So that's another reason it's under attack, because if they can remove the masculine I essence get the from society, thing. well, now you have a society. Imagine I a society where you can control the We're almost there. We're, we're, I mean, we're, we are in a matriarchy, and this is why they accuse me of being an internalized misogynist, because I'm able to think through and acknowledge the flaws of what happens in society when women get power. If you want to know what happens, look around you. Um, women fall for emotional arguments the entire time. They show yeah. us a commercial... You know, show it. It's so sad, and before they get to the rational aspects of it, they're already invested emotionally. Um, and I think that virtually every societal ill that we are facing today is because of women. And I think the greatest recent example of that is the Bud Light controversy, because what happened? That's a full uncensored. I don't have that kind of Women need to realize how backwards it is that it took What the fuck just happened? I don't know. They, I guess wrong. they cut that part off. Yeah. No, I don't think for that years Until men stood up to it. So, yeah. Because really, it's emotional arguments. And, and if we also analyze, I mean, there's certain things that women can do so much better than men. I said this the other day. I was saying to my brother. Her brother had his daughter here and my niece was here. And I said, isn't it amazing? I, I found this amazing. I said, isn't it amazing the patience the mother has with a toddler? <laughs> I'm like, she's been listening to Peppa Pig for four hours. I would lose my mind. I couldn't do it. I simply couldn't do it. 
So women have this emotionality, which is so fantastic when it's properly used, when it's put in the place it's supposed to be. I would never drop my child off to a daycare full of men. Would you drop your three-year-old child to a daycare run exclusively by males? It would be weird. It's just something about it is weird. I wouldn't trust the men not to lose their temper with the kid. I wouldn't understand why all these men want to be around these children all day. It would be a very weird scenario. So we all understand innately our gender roles, innately, on some level. So women have a fantastic superpower when it's properly used, but like everything on Earth, if you have a superpower or any kind of power at all and it's put in the wrong direction, it can be destructive. Water, if it's going through a dam, can power a city. If it's not going through a dam, it's a flood. So we have all this emotionality put in the wrong direction, and now they're in positions of power or whatever, or they're controlling the culture, or they're controlling how uh, households are run, and they can fall for these emotional traps, these very simple, basic emotional traps. It's for grandma. The most basic dumb level. And I, I sit there and say, Grandma's 98. 98-year-olds die. And I'm not saying she should die. I'm not saying, I'm saying 98-year-olds get sick. Who said it was COVID? Prove it was COVID. She got the flu last year. Like, what? Have you lost your mind? Well, Grandma. Which is funny because I think the average life expectancy is 73. So if they made it to 92. They've done great. They've done great. Absolutely. And I said that and people thought that that was so harsh and so mean. Because, there you go, harsh, mean, emotional. emotionality. Yeah. And emotionality is used against people, which is also why they don't like stoicism. It's why when you have a man who's hard to emotionally affect, they also see him as a threat. I've, I've had it from a lot of people. I've said it. From, I've had some of the hate mail I've got. I, I get a lot of, I probably get about 10,000 emails a day. I'd say about 9,000 of them are supporting 1,000 of them. 10,000. Weirdos. <laughs> weirdos are like, you're a psychopath because all this is happening to you, you don't even care. It's like, they're threatened by the fact that I'm stoic. They're threatened by the fact that I won't cry and lose my mind over it. They're like, oh, he has emotional control. He's a threat. Because that, they can't lie to me. They can't sigh off me. And they want you to be emotionally incontinent. And this is another thing they're teaching men. They're teaching men to act out their feelings. So why are they doing that? Because that makes you an emotional person and you're easier to control. They don't care that that damages society by extension. Because when you tell men to act out their feelings, that's why you get school shooters. That's why you get rapists. That's why you get murderers. Why does somebody murder someone? Because he's mad. He's acting out his feelings. He's not a very stoic person if he goes, I hate you. Bang. Right? So they keep all this emotional incontinence in men trying to pretend they care about society. It's destroying society in real time. They have no interest in actually preserving anything that's important about masculinity. And the only reason they're doing it is because that allows them to use emotional arguments. Now they can sit and say, okay, these men act out how they feel. So let's make them angry. And they might riot. And let's make them riot on this street. Let's leave some bricks on this street. Um, you understand what I'm saying? It's all absolutely utterly done on purpose. And it's kind of amazing to me that nobody sits there and understands the best way you can rebel against a slave mind and resist the matrix is just be the kind of person who uses logic, is stoic, is emotionally controlled, is physically strong, has a strong body, has a strong mind, who refuses to be told or labeled as something. You can't label me as a depressed person. You can't label me as some kind of disease or some kind of personality disorder. You can't label me a color. I'm Andrew Tate. This is who I am. I, I work hard for my last name. I understand what's right and wrong. I'm going to do my absolute best. And... That alone, in and of itself, is an act of rebellion against it. I mean, society really started going down the drain when we started getting into mental health awareness. And this is maybe one of my most controversial viewpoints, but I say it over and over on the show. Everybody needs a therapist. They're talking about their feelings. The truth is, is that every feeling you have isn't valid, doesn't need to be explored. Sometimes you just have a wacky feeling and you just let it go. And because I, I my grandfather was such an impact on my life, strongest man I've ever known, didn't shed a tear. Um, at my grandmother's funeral, they were together from the time he was 17 years old until her dying day. I'm certain he collapsed when he got home. Of course. But 
this traditional display of masculinity in my grandfather's perspective that a man needs to let it die in his chest, yeah, yeah. you know, before uh, displaying this emotion had an impact on me. And when I see, like, I guess to give a cultural example, someone like Prince Harry, you know, on TV with his arms like this, breathing and showing what he learned in therapy, it makes me want to die a little. Completely. It makes me want to die a little when I see men acting like this. Completely. And that's controversial because they're supposed to say, oh my God, he's so brave. It's so stunning. Like, he's showing this side of him. Everything about Prince Harry, to me, is what a man should not be. Absolutely. Right? I, I don't pay enough attention to him. Uh, allowing women to assert that much of the I mean, would for profit. I see it. I don't... Family. And everybody's time, got family. I, you know... Everybody's got family issues. Don't even let me get started, you know, but the idea of selling out your family and then going... The royal family. <laughs> selling out the royal family. And yeah. What happened, it makes such a display of what's happened to men, what's happened to masculinity. He's giving up his guns. He's never going to do this anyway. It's all of it is such a public example of what can happen. The thing is, I know, I know what's so interesting is, I know how miserable he is. There's no way a man can be happy in that scenario. Because I think masculine happiness comes from strength and to a degree excellence and also comes from respect. Men want to be respected. And he doesn't respect himself, his family doesn't respect him, and his woman doesn't respect him. I know how unhappy he is, I know how unhappy she is by extension. It's just an unhappy, miserable house. He gave up everything and gained absolutely not really nothing. This whole therapy thing, the reason I believe they push therapy so heavily is because it goes into something I said a little bit earlier about selfishness. If you convince somebody that they have to spend hours and hours per week sitting in a chair talking about that feeling they had last Thursday in the kitchen. It's <laughs> crazy. It's insane. Maybe if you want to talk about creating mental illness, there it is. I don't need it. This exasperates problems. This makes it worse. And it also builds this culture of absolute and utter selfishness. Excuse me, they're trying to put you in jail for the rest of your life effectively because they're going to enslave you and control all the money and make you get injections you don't need. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm sad. About therapy, I'll talk about it later. That's all they want. They just want you to be so obsessed with how you feel in your own mind that you can't even look outside of yourself and care about anything. It's part of the propaganda machine. It's part of the mechanism to turn us all into docile farm animals. I said this to somebody the other day. They were talking about how they feel, and I said, "Who cares how you feel?" And he goes, "Well, what do you mean?" Well, I don't care. You're telling me I know you, and I don't care. So all the people who don't know you don't care. The woman you want doesn't care. You can't go up to a chick in a bar and say, you know what, usually I'm really charming. Damn it. Can you, can you give me a pass? Can you let me off? No way, weirdo. The, people, the chick you want doesn't care. The job you're supposed to perform at doesn't care. If the man who wants to mug you decides to pull out a machete, he doesn't care. You can't say, bro, I'm on the move for a fight today. Tomorrow, please. Nobody cares. So why do you care? All the people out here in the world don't care, but you're going to sit there and you're going to care you're the only person in the world who cares? You're going to walk... Dreaming an extra career. The new Oreo Medicine Cappuccino Glass now fast around. Seize the egg. Walk around telling everybody, trying to find somebody who gives a Good luck. Because what's going to happen is you're going to walk around feeling sorry for yourself, trying to find somebody who cares. You might find somebody who pretends to care long enough you to get a little bit of dopamine. But all in all, you're wasting time in a hyper-competitive world where people like me who perform regardless of how they feel are just going to perpetually bury you. And then you're going to sit there and wake up and go, why am I a loser? Well, because when Andrew was sad, he continued to perform. When Andrew was in jail, his business didn't fall apart. He was doing push-ups every day. His body didn't fall apart. Nothing about his life degraded. Oh, you guys are paying attention surrounded by cockroaches. to this you're in a flushy because bed when we started home, training. Crying about what? And you expect I don't that. care. The male world's hyper-competitive. 
So do not allow your all this command. command. Put that mean? much importance on how you feel. You don't have time Reading to what? care about it because you have too much to do. But she says she was well, bleeding. I'm so saying, what the fuck? If I feel sad, I don't think, how do I stop myself? I need to not feel sad. I just go to work. I've got stuff to do. I'm a man. I have things to do every single day. This whole therapy garbage. I can't think of a way faster to ruin your mindset and destroy your ability to resist the perils of life than going to therapy. The overdiagnoses of everything. It's like you have this, you have that, and then people take that as an excuse to not ever have to get better. Oh, you know, it, it, now I can be permanent because I realize I've got this. I went to the doctor, and the doctor says that I have this, and so that's the reason why I don't respond. I've got, I've got ADHD. I think now it's like one in every two people has ADHD, and that's why I'm yeah, not able to Now it means everybody thinks they got ADHD. Keep going to the gym every single right. day. And I hate it. Yeah, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. And I really can't think of a quicker way to destroy your mind than go to therapy. Part of me, if I had time to waste, Candace, which I don't, because I've been on house arrest long enough, and once I'm out of here, I'm going to enjoy myself. But if I had time to waste, I would love to oh, like, she start is therapy. I would love to, like, I have no fucking idea. So he's like, this is house arrest? She's right. not going to know who I am. Oh, he's on house arrest right now. I'm going to do a video after each therapy about what bullshit it was. And just sitting there talking about, okay, when you were eight, yeah, what happened when you were eight? In your childhood? Not everything's because of my childhood. Not, not everything works that way. Like, it's so asinine. I've actually had conversations with therapists, I think, twice in my life. I did a TV show in England, and I had to speak to a therapist, and then um, I think it was another TV show, two TV shows, I had to speak to these therapists. And I sat there and said, I don't believe in what, I don't believe in your science, because in math, one plus one is two, and we understand that. Whereas with what you teach, you can have a guy who doesn't drink alcohol because his dad was an alcoholic, and a guy who is an alcoholic because his dad was an alcoholic. So I think you have the same scenario and two completely different outcomes. She goes, oh yeah, but there's general rules we can follow. I said, then let's end the conversation. I'm not a general person. I'm not a general person. I'm exceptional. So can we just stop wasting everybody's time here? Because all your general rules don't apply to me. I'm smarter than you. What are you, Chief? Goodbye. I'm a world champion. See ya. Like, it's, it's garbage. And... I, I really do believe, I think there is this mass drive to instill the idea of absolute selfishness in people. I think they're trying to, when I really analyze the ideal citizen they want, the ideal citizen is yes docile and yes he's unique, but he's also ultimately selfish. Because then you don't care about community. And I think therapy is a fantastic way to make you selfish. Because that's all you talk about is what do you talk about? Garbage. Yeah, why you have the right to act this way, even if you're why not I terrible. Feel, yeah. Why did I do well, you know, when I was nine? Oh, yeah, life. Yeah, that's really Prince Harry's book, honestly. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I can only get past the first two chapters. I was like, this is, it should have just been called privileged. You know what I mean? And this is the thing. <laughs> I ain't even read, I don't even know that man had a book. I, I think Margaret Thatcher said the best huh? free Prince Harry? Uh, oh, yeah, he does. He does. Because you look at I Prince Harry, read it. you can't talk about anything better for a perfect upbringing, royal family, come on, it's not his fault, right, royal family, fine, but he was supposed to have gone to the army, he went to Afghanistan, and supposedly he fought, but obviously he didn't, of course, he played, he was sat with him, yeah. but if you don't give a man his brother, look what he becomes, you don't gotta pause it, though, Tell show me a man, if I were to say to you, imagine a man who's never struggled in his life, physically, mentally, everything's gone perfect, born in the royal family, everything's been perfect for his whole life. Is that the kind of man anybody respects? Is that the kind of man anyone wants to be? And struggle is subjective, right? So Prince Harry dealing with his dealing with his current problems of his wife nagging, to him that's full mental breakdown, right? My problems are obviously much larger, but struggle is subjective. To him, to us, they're almost on the same level, but if you were to compare them side by side, they're absolutely nothing. So as a man, you have to build resilience. You build resilience through 
going through something and building a tolerance to it. And this guy's had such a privileged life that he's ended up a miserable, depressed, unhappy person. So this is what's actually very interesting when men come to me or young boys come to me and talk about something bad that happened to them. I said, good. Absolutely not really good. You should be glad that thing happened to you because that's the reason you're going to be the man who can resist the perils of life in the future. If bad things don't happen to you, you're going to end up like Prince Harry. You don't want to end up like that dude, do you? Yeah, exactly. So your life's going to be so easy, you're going to get to the end result and your wife's just going to wreck you. So you need to have all these bad things happen to you so you build the mental resilience. And that's another thing about masculinity and, and males as a whole. We're trying to take that all away from them in almost every regard. And it's kind of like, there used to be like rites of passage where a boy would become a man. That's all gone. There used to be this masculine, very healthy peer pressure to be big and strong, and that's all gone. There used to be, I mean, I don't want to use the wrong words. I don't want to get attacked for it, but men used to not pick on each other, not bully each other, but hey, you can't do push-ups, you're weak. We push each other in that way, shame each other to excellence almost. We still do it to this day in this house. Tristan's bigger than me, 10 kilo bigger than me, 6 or 4, I'm 6 to 3, I'm smaller. He'll bench 160, 170 kilo, I know I bench 150 kilo. He'll call me a for three hours. Maybe that's just how we are, so I have to get up and try again. That's how men are. We well, women are too, and, and that's what I'm really against. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm super against this this parenting structure where you don't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. I'm one of three sisters. We're a year and a half apart. We tried to kill each other. You know what I mean? All I would do was call my sister. No one has called her ugly or more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're ugly, you're this, you're fat. Blah, blah, blah. That's actually good. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you tougher. And when you see these only child children who've yeah. never gone through anything, their parents only are perfect and wonderful. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't trade my childhood trying, you know, just trying to kill each other, you know, every single day. It's it, difficult. Or, or a t-shirt. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't matter how much money you have. Life is always going to be difficult. It doesn't matter how much you try and shelter your children, how rich you are, what family they're born into. Life is going to be difficult. And if there is no struggle in their life, they're going to find struggle. Or something that shouldn't be a struggle will become a struggle for them because their life has been so sheltered. And life is hard. So if you can't avoid the difficulty, you may as well get very good at it. You may as well get good at difficulty. And it's amazing when you look at someone like Prince Harry, he's just a man who has not become very good at difficulty and he's just completely collapsed in the face of a woman who's complaining at him. And yeah, even worse than all that, the dishonor of, of selling out. We were talking about how I feel a duty to my bloodline and my last name and I have to do my father proud. He's from the British royal family. Like, and he had no honor. He couldn't even sit and say, look, listen. He couldn't even shut up for them. Yeah, literally. He had to sell out in a book. Like, God does not smile favorably on people who make these kind of decisions. And I think that's why he's going to be unhappy for a very long time, and he's going to realize that it was never worth it. And what did he do with money? From the royal family, my friend. You really need money that bad? Like, it's, it's truly shameful. And I think deceit and treachery are the most heinous and most disliked personal qualities or something you can actually witness somebody do. I think everybody hates them. And it's because anybody can fall victim. Anybody can fall victim to deceit or treachery because you trust that person. Everybody trusts someone, right? So that person turns on you, you're always in trouble. So I think he, he thinks that he has the populace on his side. But I don't think he understands that when you out yourself as a snake, everybody intrinsically dislikes you. Even if they enjoyed watching the show. Oh, completely. They accepted one and went, okay. Because I, I gave the example on my show. You know, you have the Kardashian family, and but the one thing about them is they, they're thicker than thieves. So America does like a reality show, right? Like a reality show. But the reason why they have gained popularity is because actually they always back each other up. Yeah, yeah. They, they still remain a family unit. And when you betray that, when you betray family, I think 
left and right, you just kind of go, okay, maybe that was a little too much. Yeah. It was fun to watch. It was fun to watch, but, but we don't really trust you. I don't want to be your friend. Yeah, I don't want to be your yeah, friend. Yeah, I don't want to be your friend. Yeah, completely. I mean, you're going to send your own brother out? What am I to you, right? If you do that to your own brother, what am I to you? Absolutely crazy. And then he wonders why. And I also think what he probably doesn't understand, if he's watching this, you never know who might. Hello, Harry. He's <laughs> watching this. I don't think he even understands that even his woman views him that way. Even Megan views him that way. Even Megan looks at you and goes, I complained at you over William, and you were supposed to tell me to be quiet, and you didn't. So now I think you're a <laughs> Now what? And you wonder why she's never happy. So now he's in big trouble. I don't know what he's going to do with his life. He's in big trouble. But it's kind of, it's interesting where I don't see how. It's actually an interesting conversation to have about how psyops can work as a whole. Because when I analyze, especially as a man, and I always talk from the masculine frame, not because I'm a misogynist, but because I'm a man. And I understand the masculine frame because I am a man. If you stray from the, the archetype of masculinity, you stray from honor, courage, if you're not dutiful, if you don't believe in putting honor in your last name, if you don't want to be physically and mentally strong, if you don't believe in finding problems to solve, if you don't believe in having a difficult life, if you stray from this because you've been psyop to stray from it, all you end up with is misery. And it's amazing that people will see anybody who's strayed from it end up perma-miserable and still fall for the psyop. I, I find it incredible that people don't think logically long enough to sit and say, okay, whose life do I actually want? I would never adopt the thinking of somebody whose life I didn't. I don't know why people even do that. I could sit and have a conversation with Prince Harry for 10 hours straight, and he could be as compendious and convincing and concise, and, and he could be extremely perfectly articulate with his points. And at the end of it, I'd say, yeah, but I don't want to be you. So I don't want to think of this. But, but I wouldn't want to listen to him. So, and...